Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 11, as we continue on our series and our thought of our new theme for the year and going forward. Uh, and this morning we want to uh, challenge you to go forward in faith. And so as you find your place there, I'm going to ask you to stand just one more time as we read our text this morning in uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin there in verse number 1. We're going to read a few verses and, and skip down a little bit, and so uh, just kind of follow along as, as, as we go. In Hebrews chapter number 11, and beginning in verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now in verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then in verse number 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned." But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received, had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And again this morning I want to speak to you on the thought, going forward in faith. Let's pray. Fathers, we gather together this morning. Lord, our hearts have been touched and stirred uh, by the music, by the worship. And Lord, certainly you are worthy of our worship and our attention Lord, thank you for those that have made the effort to come out even on a cold morning. And Lord, to gather in the name of our Lord and Savior. Lord, we know that you've promised, Holy Spirit, that when, uh, when we're gathered two or three in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll meet with us, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will challenge us. And Lord, we ask you to do that now. May every heart be open. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that's never placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, 
May they come under tremendous conviction this morning that's inescapable. Uh, Lord, to draw them to our Savior. Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged. And Lord, those that here this morning that perhaps are struggling uh, or searching and seeking uh, to uh, find a way to a deeper relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us in the way, convict all of us of our sin, draw us close to you. Lord, convince us of the truths of the Word of God. We know that that is your ministry, and we ask you now to do it in each of our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <coughs> As we look here this morning, uh, we start off just kind of considering uh, really what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is to be a life of faith. And it's sometimes the Christian life can be described in a lot of different ways. And if you listen to what's out and around us culturally, there are a lot of different sects of Christianity. There are a lot of different uh, belief systems. There are a lot of differences from one dominant denomination to the next. There are some uh, religions that would deem themselves to be Christian that I wouldn't necessarily deem to be Christian. Um, and, and the Bible makes very clear uh, really truly what it means to be a genuine Bible-believing Christian. Now, I'm not here this morning uh, to really try to define what all of the different belief systems are and, uh, and get into, you know, where this doctrine's false or that doctrine's false this morning. Uh, what I do want to address is just the idea that sometimes uh, as we listen to all that goes on around us that we can get into a mindset where we feel as if the Christian life is complicated, that we feel like the, the Christian life is, is at times overwhelming and hard uh, to, to grasp. And the reality is, is that life is hard. Life is complicated. Life is overwhelming. But Christianity could not be any more simple. Real Christianity is not something that's complex, and real Christianity is not religion. Religion, as you hear me say frequently, has sinned and condemned more people to hell uh, than, than the, the things of the world ever will uh, because it gives man a false hope. It gives us hope in man. It gives us hope in self. It gives us hope in deeds and actions rather than the one who gives life. And salvation is by the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He's done all the work. He's done everything that's necessary to be done. There's not anything that I can do of my own volition to earn salvation, to be uh, listed as, as being placed on uh, a good list. So it's going to be good enough to get me into heaven. Uh, the reality is, is that I was born in sin. I am a born sinner. I have a sin nature. Uh, and, and before you get to feeling like, man, the pastor is really the scum of the earth up there this morning, uh, may I remind you that all of those things that I just said about me are true of you as well. Uh, and so we are, by our nature, sinners. We sin because that's what our nature to do. We can't help it. Uh, when we try to overcome it, we may succeed for a while, but when it's all said and done, we are going to come home to our nature. We are going to come home to our sinful self. That's who we are. That's what defines us. That's not how God created us. That's not God's intention for us. And when, when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior and he regenerated or made alive again the spirit that laid dead within us at birth that died in the Garden of Eden, then he made it possible for us to live a new life. He made it possible for us to connect with a new nature that Christ puts within us. And, and I'm just saying 
this morning that if you feel as if the Christian life is hard and overwhelming and complex and there are all these things that I need to know that I just don't grasp or haven't understood or haven't mastered, may I remind you this morning that while life is hard and complicated, that, that, that the Christian life is not. The Christian life is quite simple. I could sum it up in one phrase. It is a life of faith. Now, I'm going to expand on that a little bit this morning by way of introduction and say that it is a life of faith that becomes a journey of hope and revelation. Faith takes me on a journey, and on the journey, God reveals more of himself to me as I walk in faith. And as my faith and your faith grows, God reveals more and more of himself to us, thus making the Christian life a deep experience of relationship that we commune and fellowship with the Spirit of God that the world will never understand unless they come to him by faith. Now I say this morning that uh, as we consider this matter of faith, that, uh, that faith is, uh, is necessary to tap into everything that is God. God has done everything that needs to be done. There's not anything that needs to be created that hasn't been created. There's not any payment for sin that has yet to been made. All sin has been paid for, whether it was committed years before Christ, whether it was committed during the life of Christ, whether it has been committed in our lifetime, or whether it is yet to be committed in future generations. When Jesus Christ took on humanity's sin, he took on the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. Every sin has been paid for. Not every person will benefit from the payment of that sin. So what's the difference? Because it's all out there. Payment is here. The access to God is here. Access to heaven is available to every soul. It's there. There's nothing more that God needs to do, but he does do more because he draws us and he searches for us and he seeks us. And the reality is, is that I can never experience God minus faith. It's all out there. I use this illustration sometimes. When we look around this morning, we see evidence of electricity all around us. But unless I go, if I have a device that runs off electricity, unless I go plug it into the power source, it's not going to be of any use. It must get plugged in. And in essence, God is all around us, and His mercy is all around us, and His grace is all around us, and His, his mercy uh, and His long-suffering uh, and His wrath and His justice and His anger of sin, all of that, that God is is constantly, perpetually all around us. But unless we exercise faith, we'll never experience it. He wants us to understand and to embrace a life of faith. And I would say this morning that if you want to have a deeper walk with God this year, if you want to be a more effective in your Christian life this year, if you want to have more victory over your sin this year than you've had in years past, then it has to start with going forward in your faith of God. So that begs the question, what is faith? Now, those of you that have been in church a long time, I doubt if I say anything this morning, uh, uh, and if you're a student of the Bible, deeply, I doubt if I'm going to say anything this morning that's going to be new to you. Uh, I find for myself it's often helpful to be reminded of just the basic fundamentals of the faith. Uh, it helps me to reset myself, my life, my attitude on uh, the things that God wants to do in my life. So before you 
that are seasoned Christians turn me off whenever I announce such an easy thing as what is faith. Uh, may I implore on you to open your heart and ask the Lord maybe to remind you of something that will help you in your walk with God. So what is faith? I, there's, there's no better definition of Bible terms than the Bible. And God tells us here and defines for us here in our text what faith is. And I'm going to, <coughs> to clarify some things and, and, and give some definitions here. Uh, but we start off in verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let's just start with the term substance. What does he mean when he says faith is the substance? The word substance here literally means substructure or foundation. And so that's not all that it means, but we're going to just kind of start there and break this down a little bit. Uh, but it means substructure. Now, what did Jesus tell us to do when he told us in the Gospels to build our life? He said, don't build your life on the sand, or when the storm comes, it will come crashing down. He said, build your house upon the rock. Build your house on a solid foundation. Build your life. Build a Christian life. Let God build a life in you. We are God's building. We are uh, God's husbandry. Let the Lord Jesus Christ build our lives in faith upon the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. If the substructure is not sound, if the foundation is not sound, my walk with Christ is in jeopardy before I even get started. It has to start in faith. It has to begin with understanding that what faith is, it is the substance. It is foundational to the Christian life. It also means confidence. So when we talk about substance, we're talking about confidence. And I've found uh, that little in my life is very substantive if I don't have confidence in it. And so when we talk about faith, we're talking about substructure, foundation, confidence. It also means a firm trust, and it means assurance. So as faith is exercised, it gives me assurance that what I had faith in, in fact, is true. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what is hope? Hope is something that uh, really is very simple in its definition. Now, I'm just going to give you a phrase this morning, but... Uh, but, but let's talk just for a moment about what is it that we think of when we think of hope because a, a lot of times we use that term in our culture so loosely that it really doesn't have a lot of value or meaning anymore because, uh, I mean, honestly, this morning we could have conversations and, uh, and I could come up to you, Brother Wayne, and say, man, I got my, I got my publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes entry uh, form in the mail this week and I hope I win. I hope. I'm not really hoping because I don't really have any expectation that anything like that's going to happen for me, especially since even if I, I don't think I've gotten one, but even if I did get one, I, I didn't even have enough hope in it for the buck that I bothered to fill it out and send it in. And so I can go around all the time and I can see the commercials and I can see what other people do and I can say, hey, I, I hope that I win. I hope that this good thing happens to me. I hope uh, that I can engage in this. And I, uh, you know, I, I hope, uh, but I really don't have any expectation that anything is going to happen. 
There are a lot of people going around saying, I hope I get to heaven, but they don't really have any expectation that's biblical that anything is going to happen. There are a lot of people going around saying, hey, I hope that this good thing's going to happen or that good thing's going to happen, but they have no, they have no expectation. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people that go around thinking, I mean, there are a lot of young guys that, uh, that walk around thinking, I mean, there's Jackson back there. Jackson's walking around thinking someday I hope I get married, but Amelia's saying, ah, brother, it's never going to happen. We hope for a lot of things, but we don't really expect. So we talk about biblically, and we look at the biblical term here. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are we talking about here, and what does it mean? And it means simply this. Hope is a belief that something will come to pass with an expectation that it does. It is belief with expectation. And so when we talk about faith in Christ, what I'm saying is, is that I, the substance, the foundational truth of my life, the assurance that I receive through the word of God and my prayer life and walking with him and engaging in, uh, with him is that this God that I worship, that I serve, that I, that I felt called by and chose to, to obey years ago and have given my life to, uh, that that God ha has assured me substantively of the things that I have placed my hope in. My hope this morning is in the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood. I'm not, I, 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 am, I have a hope of heaven. I say, Pastor, well, I don't hope I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, really, in our regular, normal, everyday vernacular, that's true. But biblically speaking, theologically speaking, we are in hope that Jesus is going to fulfill his promise to take us to heaven when we leave this life into the presence of God. It is the blessed hope. And so when we stop and we understand biblically what he's talking about here, when we understand faith, it is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, it, is, uh, it is us coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that faith is necessary for salvation, that faith is required to obtain answer to prayer, that faith is our connection to God's power. It is the substructure of our life, and it is something that I desire with expectation to receive, not because uh, I've, I've got my hopes placed uh, in some genie when I rubbed the bottle that popped out and said, make a wish, but I have the living word of God that has revealed to me the person and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I have chosen to express my faith in him and pray to him and live for him, he has returned that with proof positive that he is real and that the word of God is real and that his blessing is real in my life. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. Faith is not like the world would have us believe, just some belief in some mystical fairy tale. We don't believe blindly that Jesus rose from the grave. We believe because there's evidence. Hey, listen, everyone in this room believes that there's oxygen. Why? Because some scientist told you that that's what you're breathing in the air. What's the evidence of it? Well, we're still alive. 
And I could say, but helium, we could get a balloon and we could fill it up and say, okay, here it is. Do we see the gas? No. But we see evidence of it. Listen, there's evidence of God working in people's lives all around us if we'll just pay attention. There's evidence of God speaking to our heart all around us if we'll just listen. If we'll just observe, if we'll just compare what the scripture tells us to the practical things in life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not seen. Uh, and so when we talk about that evidence, it is a proof. It is that by which a thing is tested, it becomes conviction in my life. And so as we kind of wrap that into one simple statement of definition in faith, faith could be said this way, is the belief the ascent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another, resting on his authority and veracity without other evidence. And so when I talk about my faith in God, what I'm saying is I place my trust God in you and in you alone. Your word, your demonstration of power in my life is the only evidence that I need because you have proven yourself faithful. That's faith. And so when we stop and we consider that, and there's a lot more here than we could ever cover in, uh, in one sermon, and I'm certainly not going to try to do that. And uh, if you're regular here, you know typically we have three points, sometimes four. Today there's five. It's 10 till 12. If that scares you this morning, that's probably a good thing. It might should. <laughs> not really. We'll move quickly. There's five things that I think that we see here in this text that talk to us and speak to this progression of faith in your life because listen if faith is anything in the life of a christian it should be in progression the longer i'm saved and the more that i walk with god the more that i experience god the greater my faith should be i should not have less faith today i should not have less expectation of what god is going to do in my life today than i did the day that i trusted him now when we got saved that's a great day because that's the greatest thing that we could trust God for is our salvation that our eternal soul is, soul is secure and in his hand and that we uh, never have to worry again regardless of how well we conduct our lives or how obedient we are to him we are his child we will be part of, we are part of his family we will be brought into the presence of the father when we leave this earth uh, we may not be brought in uh, with you know we may be brought in being a disappointment but we'll be brought in and so I'm, I'm not have to worry about that ever again. That's a wonderful thing. But I know this, uh, that, that, that as much as I trusted him for salvation on that day, uh, there were a lot of other common things in life that, you know, maybe it just took me a while to figure out. Hey, can I really trust God with this? Can I really believe that God will do what he said with this? Uh, and for a lot of people, that may involve, uh, you know, how we, how we uh, devote our time to him, how we spend and energize our time, uh, how, we, how we contribute to his work and ministry financially, all of those things, how we, uh, how we volunteer and sacrifice for the, the things of God and things of eternal value. It takes some learning and some discipling and some growing in our life so that our faith is expanded. And listen, uh, today, I, you know, when I was first saved, I may have looked out and thought, man, if I'm trusting God to... Uh, you know, to help me to uh, pay this this uh, uh, this this newspaper bill, uh, this little subscription that I don't have money for, uh, and he did it, that builds my faith so that now when I have a tremendous need, I just trust God for it. 
I praise the Lord when uh, I don't necessarily, I, I do in a lot of ways praise the Lord for Harvey, but, uh, but it's not necessarily something that I'm in a hurry to go through again. Uh, but God used Harvey in a great way for our church, but uh, the church, we didn't have insurance. We didn't have uh, a lot of money in the bank, and, and we uh, didn't have money to pull from. We had 10 of our own families that were flooded out and had to rebuild everything uh, on their own. That money just wasn't there from within, but God brought it in from outside. And we didn't really fret too much about it. We really, honestly, we just sat back in awe of what God was doing. Amen. Just live by faith. God wants us as Christians to live by faith. And how that progresses in our life, I think that we see clearly in this passage. And I want you to consider, first of all, this morning in verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called. When he was called. God, God Listen, Abraham was not actively seeking a deep relationship with God. Abraham uh, was in a pagan culture going about his life when God came to him. And I will tell you this, if you are searching, if you're someone that's searching for God at all, God is there searching for you. And we think about God's call and we think, well, Pastor, that's great, but uh, God hasn't called me to ministry or to preach or to, uh, or, or to be a missionary to do those things. Listen, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God's plan for your life. We're talking about God's plan for one individual man's life. He did not call him to preach. He called him to be his friend. He called him so that he could do something great with his life. He did not put a lot of uh, labels on him. He did not give him many conditions. As a matter of fact, his covenant with Abraham and that he would make him as the stars of heaven and that Messiah would come from him was an unconditional covenant. Most promises from God to the Christian are not unconditional. Most of them have conditions, but here, salvation, God's blessing on those who would bless the people of Israel, God's using Abraham to do a great thing uh, was, uh, was something that was unconditional. And what I would say this morning that we see here when he says, and by faith, uh, Abraham, when he was called, that we see that it was an enlisting faith. An enlisting faith. I remember when I was young, and I've always been a great, uh, a, a great lover of history, especially uh, World War II history. Uh, just kind of that era is what really kind of captivates my imagination. I kind of grew up with a lot of uh, people that were from, my grandparents were that generation and came through. Matter of fact, one of my, one of my grandfathers was on Bougainville and Guam in the Marine Corps during World War II. Uh, and so, I have always had uh, a lot of interest in that. And uh, one of the things that I always remembered from, you know, those old John Wayne movies, and those were the best movies, by the way, uh, and those old John Wayne movies and those old World War II movies with old, uh, that old gray-bearded, goateed Uncle Sam with his scrawny little bony finger pointed out saying, we want you or I want you because they were needed. And I'm saying this morning that God needs you. God, for some reason, has chosen to need us, and he wants us. Now, why God would want this, I have no idea, but he does. God wants you. God needs you. God desires you. God wants us 
to not just put our faith and trust in him for salvation, but he wants us to enlist in his cause. I remember going down uh, to the recruiting station and, uh, and, and talking to the recruiters and uh, taking all the tests and signing my name on the line and going down uh, to the MEP station and, uh, and, and getting sworn in and then loading up on the plane and then uh, hitting the yellow footprints in San Diego and, uh, and going through 13 weeks of, uh, of mind games and boot camp and then uh, getting put out into a place of service. And uh, listen, what I'm saying is, is that I volunteered, I signed up, no one twisted my arm. Uh, and by the way, for all of the beliefs that, uh, you know, all military recruiters just lie to people to get them in, I can honestly say that my recruiters never lied to me. And then we even had a little mock boot camp for a day, so we kind of get a taste of what it was going to be like whenever we were waiting for our uh, ship out date to get in. And, uh, and so uh, uh, what I'm saying is this, is that it is an enlisting faith. God calls us. God searched us out. God brought us to Jesus Christ. God led us to himself, and Abraham received a call. Now, we don't have time this morning to go back and look at a lot of uh, of the, God's dealing with Abraham in Genesis, but I do want to look at this initial uh, call in Genesis chapter 12, just in the first four verses here. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Listen, here is a man who is at this point, even by the standards by the years that they lived, was at least approaching middle age. Uh, he was not in the early years of his life, and God shows up and said, God, Abraham, uh, you may not recognize who I am, but I'm here, and if you'll do what I say, then I will bless you, and I will make you a great nation. Here he is. He already is, is old enough to have children and doesn't. He already knows that, hey, uh, this is something that uh, could affect me all of my life, and uh, it was something that was a shame upon them uh, to not have an heir and uh, to move forward, and God shows up and says, Abraham, hey, uh, I've got one condition for you. Go. Go. Now, I don't think there's anybody in the room this morning that if God approached us in that state and said, hey, I want you to pack up everything you own and I want you to head that direction uh, and, and I'll meet your needs and I'll tell you when to stop, I'll tell you when to turn, I'll take care of everything, and if you'll do it, I'll make... There, there, there aren't many people that would say, yes, sir, I'll go. We like our security. We like our homes. We like the lives that we've built. We like the things that we uh, have obtained. But Abraham goes. And we see here in this enlisting faith that first of all, Abraham received a call. And my friends, when the Holy Spirit of God spoke to your heart and drew you to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, so did you. He called you. He didn't call you just to come to heaven. He called you to give your life in service to him. He called you to love him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. He calls you 
to find out his specific will for your life, whether it's bagging groceries at the grocery store, whether it's working under the hood in a mechanic shop, or whether it's standing in a pulpit and preaching in a foreign soil somewhere. God has a plan, a purpose, a will for your life that you were designed for, and he has called you to it. It is an enlisting faith. Abraham received a call. Then we saw in verse number four that Abraham made a choice. And my friends, that's what every one of us do this morning. We received a call. We received a call to salvation and we make a choice. Some are fortunate enough to receive multiple calls. Not everyone does. But some are fortunate enough that uh, they're here week in and week out. And every week a call is made, a drawing of the Holy Spirit working in your heart is pressed upon you and pulling you to the person, to the presence of God and revealing himself to you that your faith might grow enough that one day you would answer that call. That you would trust him as your savior. That we, you would give your heart to him. And listen, every week you make a choice. Say, Pastor, but I haven't come down. I haven't made a decision yet. Oh, every time that an invitation is given and we fail to respond to what God has done in our heart, we have made a choice. We've just made the wrong one. We've chosen no. We've chosen to reject. We've chosen to push him away. We've chosen to reject his call, his leading, his love in our life. Abraham received a call and Abraham made a choice. My friends this morning, if you would move forward in faith, if you would go forward in faith, not only must we understand that God has a purpose for our life, God has a calling on our life, but we must make a choice to obey the call. How do I do that, Pastor? In faith. By faith. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the foundation of your walk with God. It is the assurance of God's presence in my life. It is the direction that God gives me. And I'm not just aimlessly following Him. I'm placing my trust and faith in the one who cannot lie in His veracity, in His integrity, in His power, not mine, to do what God said that He would do. He will do what He said He would do. It's an enlisting faith. Secondly, we see that it's an engaging faith. An engaging faith. First, God enlists us into his calls, and then he engages in our life, and he wants us to engage in life with him. Notice verse number 9 and 10. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. A tabernacle is not a permanent home. It is not a permanent structure structure. It is something that was a temporary shelter that they could move through. We were driving to the airport late last night uh, and it was getting cold outside and we turned under the bridge to go under the Gulf Freeway toward uh, Hobby Airport and, uh, and the homeless folks that are normally there uh, weren't just laid out in the sleeping bag. They had made themselves a tabernacle. It was cardboard boxes, it was newspapers, whatever they could scrounge, but they had made themselves a little hut uh, to kind of hunker down together in uh, under there. And it's sad to see them in that state, uh, but, they, but they had a tabernacle. Listen, Abraham uh, didn't necessarily live that way, but he did not live in a permanent structure. He dwelt in tabernacles. He was on the move. He was following God. He was engaging in the plan that God had for his life. And listen, faith God's faith in God was never intended for us to just enter a relationship and park ourselves and sit by the seashore and wait uh, for eternity to show up. It was to engage in life with Christ. That's what he wants to do in our life. 
Abraham's faith guided his outlook on life. It guided his outlook on life. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he sojourned. Because he was looking for the promise. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He was not resting on his laurels. He was not focused on the here and now. He was focused on things eternal. God directed his outlook. Abraham's faith guided his outlook in life. Christian, can you say this morning that the outlook that you have for your life is being guided by your faith in Christ? Or is it being guided by confidence in self? Is it being guided by the fear uh, of, uh, of what's going on in the political realm? Is it guided by the fear of where your bank account says, what your bank account says you don't have and what your financial planner says that you need? Or is it just in God? What I'm saying this morning is that faith is an enlisting faith, but it's also an engaging faith. Abraham's faith guided his outlook on life, and Abraham's faith directed his daily activity. When God said, get up and go, he got up and went. He, he left, and for all these years he wandered, he sojourned for his lifetime, uh, and he uh, rested in the promise that God would do the things that he said he would do. Uh, and we know because of the Scripture that he never saw, other than receiving Isaac, he, he never saw his family become a great nation like God promised. He didn't see that happen. He didn't see the Messiah in his lifetime. He didn't see how... He would be a blessing to all of humanity. But he believed that God would do what God said he would do. And his outlook was guided by that belief and his daily activity was guided by that belief. And Brother Tyler did a great job in the Sunday school hour this morning without having any idea what I was preaching this morning of really laying out that same principle uh, that we have to allow God to lead and guide our thoughts, our decisions, our promise, uh, where we go, what we do. The first and foremost thought process in our mind should be how am I going to be able to love God there, serve God there, fulfill God's call on my my life there if it's is this a distraction from the enemy that looks great on paper or is this a gift from God that is going to enable me to do much for his glory it was an engaging faith thirdly we see that it's an enabling faith we're not supposed to do it in our power we do it in his God never said here's this impossible task figure it out God said here's this very difficult and in your mind impossible task that's really not even a challenge to me. Put your faith in me and I'll do it for you and through you. We see in verses 11 and 12, this enabling faith when it says, Through faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. See, Sarah's view of God allowed God the power to fulfill his promise to Abraham through her. She judged God faithful. Now that seems odd reading it here because we reflect back to Genesis when the angel showed up and said, hey, the time is now, and she had already uh, passed the age of physically being able to conceive a child and Abraham was past the age of physically being able to uh, to conceive a child uh, and she laughed and you remember the angel said hey, Abraham why is she laughing and so oh, I'm not laughing uh, and she got scared but here it says she judged him faithful 
doesn't mean that whenever faith comes up in our life and when challenges are difficult that we won't sometimes look deep in our heart and think, is God really going to do what he promised to do? But she stayed with it. She might have had her wavering moments, but ultimately in her heart she judged God faithful. She stayed true to what God had given her to do. And God enabled her and enabled Abraham to conceive a child when any doctor uh, in today's te- with today's technology would have looked and examined them and said it is not physically possible it cannot happen uh, you are uh, you are hoping in uh, in something that is that is never going to come to fruition but all things are possible with God God promised God enabled hey listen if they could have conceived a child in their young age where would God's glory have been it would have just been the norm. And even if it had been out after years of infertility, uh, if they still were young enough, it would have been, everyone would have just assumed, well, uh, you know, uh, something must have physically sorted itself out. Happens all the time. We had three children in heaven before we ever have one here on earth. Things just sorted themselves out. Once David came along, then after that, there was no more problems. God just blessed. God had his will. God did uh, what we were uncertain would ever happen. God uh, gave us the desires of our heart. I'm saying this morning that it is an enabling faith. Abraham's faith made the impossible possible. He believed God even when it didn't make sense. Do you believe God when it doesn't make sense? I mean, whenever you get in the Word of God and when you get in your devotional life and you get in your prayer life and God imposes on your heart to go beyond what you thought you could do, to do more than you felt like that uh, you were capable of, uh, whether it be to do more or to give more or to go farther or to spend more time or to engage in more activity, whatever it is, when you look at it, when I look at it, do I say, God, this does not make sense. I cannot do this when it doesn't make sense and you cannot do it, but you know in your heart that God told you to do it, it's way better to just get up and obey God in faith. Because that's when God shows himself mighty. That's when God gives assurance of his veracity, of his power, of his love for you. It is an enabling faith. Abraham's faith extended beyond his sight. God help us to have a faith that can see farther than our physical eyes can see that can see farther than our human ability to reason can acknowledge. May God give us faith that challenges our walk with God and that draws us closer to Him. We saw, first of all, this morning that it was an enlisting faith. We see, secondly, this morning that it's an engaging faith. See the progression this morning in life as we grow deeper in our walk with God. Third, it was an enabling faith. He did something and achieved something that they thought was never going to happen. Fourthly, see that it's an enlightening faith. And enlightening faith. Notice verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They died before they became a great nation. They had the promise of heir of Isaac. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. Listen, it's saying that he believed that it was going to happen. God, I believe you're going to keep your word to me even if I don't live long enough to see it. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay engaged in your work. I'm going to stay busy doing what you've given me to do. My faith is in you, and I know in my heart that you will do what you promised whether I live to see it or not. My friends, he just kept going. 
He believed them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Can you imagine at that time there is no written word. There is only a, a personal relationship with Christ, a personal relationship with God, that he had the ability, the capacity in his mind without having the ability to read Revelation and see what the end is and to understand that the earth was not his home that he was just passing through. That his eyes, his focus, his achievements, his dreams would not be found on this earth, but rested in the presence of God. It was an enlightening faith. Their faith expanded their vision of God. And my friends, what faith does. As my faith grows, as my faith is engaged, as God works in my heart, as God meets my needs, as God fulfills what he's promised in my heart and my walk with him, what happens in my life is that it enlightens me to the power of God, to the presence of God, to the ability of God, and it makes me want to dream bigger. It makes us want to achieve more. It makes us want to experience more of him because an enlightening faith reveals to us the power and the presence of God, and it's ability around us their faith was enlightened their understanding of life's purpose far too many Christians go through life and never understand never have a clue that there is a purpose to their life beyond breathing air and earning a living too many children have just been left to themselves or turned over to the government so that they go out and serve money and serve uh, themselves rather than having a heart cultivated in them to serve God an enlightening faith their faith enlightened their understanding of life's purpose. Their faith focused their daily lives. Listen, uh, how do you live the, the successful Christian life, Pastor? How does your faith continue to grow? How does my faith and how will it be challenged daily? Your daily life has to be focused. I can't just come into focus in the month of January every year. I can't just get focused at the end of a revival every time one rolls around seasonally. If I'm going to live for God successfully and experience Him and my faith be growing, I must allow the Holy Spirit of God to focus my attention and my faith in my Savior every single day. Paul said, I die daily. God's mercies are new every morning. We have to go to the Lord on a daily basis. He does not want us frittering around, just coming and showing up on Sunday and not speaking to Him all week long, not being concerned about what His will for our life is all week long. He doesn't want us to go from one year to the next or one holiday to the next. He wants to be an everyday, intimate part of your life. That's what God wants. It was an enlightening faith. It was an enabling faith. It was an engaging faith. It was an enlisting faith. And lastly, we see that because they allowed their faith to progress and to grow in God, that it was an enduring faith. They died in faith. They went to heaven in faith. There's no greater example of faith in all of the Scripture than Abraham. God called him his friend. Well, it's a, it's a special thing to have a friend, a real friend, a biblical friend. To, to, to be called by God, my friend. What greater honor could God bestow upon a man such as Abraham than to say, this man is my friend. Notice verse 17. Verse 17, as we get ready to close this morning. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. 
And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now listen, we understand that God was giving us a picture of Christ. We understand that God was giving us a picture of the sacrifice that he would make to pay for our sin. We understand that God was going to provide himself a lamb coming up the backside of that mountain as Abraham went ahead. But Abraham didn't know. But when the order came, Abraham didn't sulk. Abraham didn't get bitter. Abraham didn't get angry. Abraham didn't say, God, this isn't fair. No, the Bible says Abraham did. He set the wood in order. He got his entourage together. He made every preparation to carry out this unthinkable thing that he could not possibly have understood that God gave him to do, and he set out to do it. Dad, where's the sacrifice? I've got the wood. You talk about being cold-hearted. Here's Abraham making Isaac carry up the own wood he's going to burn him with up the mountain. Where's the sacrifice? Don't worry, son. God will provide himself a lamb. And we go, we read in Genesis, and we wonder what in the world's going on in his mind. But in Hebrews 11, it tells us what's going on in his mind. He believed that if this is what God required, that because God had promised that Isaac was the heir, that the only reasonable, just think about how unreasonable this would have been to someone on the first day of their salvation. But at this stage of Abraham's life, this request from God, though he did not understand, the only reasonable explanation that he could come up with is that if this is what God required and this is what God promised, then this is what God will have to do. And God, if this is what you require of me, then I trust you enough to slit my own son's throat so that you can resurrect him and be glorified. That's a lot of faith. That's an enduring faith. That's a faith that did not fail. We know that God brought that lamb. We know that it was not a require it was not required. God wanted to see his obedience. God wanted to see Abraham, do you really have faith in me? Abraham, have you allowed your faith to grow throughout your life? Do you trust me? An enduring faith. It was a faith that inspired impossible obedience. You know what we need to be this morning? A people that will allow a God to ask of us the impossible. Believing that if we'll be obedient, that he'll do it for us and through us and in us. A faith that inspired impossible obedience and a faith that made possible, impossible trust. I cannot imagine the trust that God had in Abraham, but I'm so glad that he had it. What's your faith like this morning? Are you walking with the Lord this morning? Is your faith stronger today than it was the first time that you heard the word of God preached? Is your faith stronger this morning than it was the day that you trusted him as your savior? Is your faith stronger now? Is your walk with God purer now? Is your power from God more now than it was a year ago, a month ago, a week ago, a day ago? God wants us to go forward in faith. And he shows us the progression of faith in our life 
It enlisted us. It engages with us. It enables us. It enlightens us. And it will help us to endure everything that life sets in our path if we walk by God. Listen, he said it very simply when he said, Christian life is not complicated, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It gets complicated when we walk by sight. But if we'll walk by faith and enduring faith, then God will bless. Faith is trusting God. Faith is obeying God. Faith is following God. When I cannot see the end result, I just believe that God is and that God will do what he's promised to do.